Welcome to Educator Forever, where we empower teachers to innovate education. Join us each week to hear stories of teachers expanding their impact beyond the classroom and explore ways to reimagine teaching and learning. Catherine Shu is the founder, teacher, and CEO of All the Right Colors. She believes that there are many kids not thriving or excited about reading and writing because we are not teaching into their strengths and interests. At All the Right Colors, Catherine personalizes reading and writing classes to teach into the strengths of each individual child, often incorporating art and creative writing into lessons. She teaches classes both online and in person, all with the goal of motivating and inspiring kids to love reading and writing. Welcome, Catherine. It's so nice to have you here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yay, me too. So let's start off by hearing about your journey as an educator. So yeah, I actually wasn't going to be a teacher. I had a college degree for piano and music. I was bad at school, like all the things. And I just ended up feeling like I could do something different. I was really bored just in the the piano practice room. So I took a class in college called American Education by this professor, Paul Thomas, who basically said that everything in an American education system is actually up for change and is does not support all kids. And I was like, oh, so maybe it's not me that's the problem, you know, like maybe yes. it's actually the system. So that sort of launched the whole, let me try to do two degrees in college and Teaching just ended up becoming something super easy for me and I could be really creative and think outside the box. So I started teaching in South Carolina in a charter school and then I went up to Northern Virginia and Arlington and taught elementary and learned about arts integration. I piloted personalized learning with iPads just to kind of like before people were using that to kind of see like how to use it in an effective way. And then I, you know, got ambitious (laughs) and then I was like, okay, let me be, you know, let me try all these uh, leadership roles. So I ended up then moving out of the classroom into an instructional tech coordinator coach role at a middle school. That was like a really big leadership opportunity that I learned a lot. And then I continued to be just super ambitious and said, what else can I do? And I ended up going into ed tech and I was developing PD for Newzella. Mm-hmm. And it's still what I learned from this journey was that it, it was still something like not fulfilling for me. But the nice thing was I was trying and I kept trying new things. So I went back at, into the classroom after all of my experience and Last year, I realized that I still needed to find something that brought me joy and I was still unhappy and tired all the time. So here I am today with my (laughs) own business called All the Right Colors, where I'm still teaching, but I'm working directly with kids and families now rather than being in the classroom. Yes, I love all of that. I totally relate to the college part too. Like I never thought I would be a teacher either until I was Mm. in college and I was an English and math major. And I like loved that it was two parts of my brain. I was like, I just never know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know. I love it all. And then I couldn't get into a class. And then it led me to take an education class and kind of similarly had a moment of being like, oh, I could do all these things. You know, it doesn't have to be English or math. And it could be 
a way of like putting things together and supporting kids. So I love that sometimes it's not clear. Like I always hear people being like, oh, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah. oh, not for me. Yeah, I actually think that I sometimes get along quickly with people who didn't want to be a teacher at first because your reason, your purpose for being a teacher is just like a little bit different sometimes. Totally, totally. And I also love that reflection of like, what an awesome class to go into and realize like, oh, it's not, I mean, it's also sad, right? But it's not you, it's the system. And like how many kids that's true for. And teachers also, like I feel like I spent a lot of my days talking to teachers who feel beaten down and feel like they don't have skills that are transferable. And it's not them. It's the entire system telling them over and over again that they're not enough. And same for kids. And so it is great that somebody explicitly says that. <laughs> and like that, that was your entry point in. Yeah, that teacher part is huge. That one, you're not taking a course to like understand that. And I think it's something really still hard for people to grasp on is that if this system is limiting children, that it could also be limiting teachers and what we've been like sort of manipulated into thinking and believing about our potential, about life balance, just so many things. So yes, absolutely. I know. And it's like a whole structure that you're just so used to seeing in a box, right? Like this is how schools work. This is how learning works. And it's very hard when you're surrounded by so many people all doing the same things, you know, to be able to take a step back. So I'm interested in just like, you took a few steps back, right? Like moving to ed tech, trying new things, and then now starting your business. And I know you got into this a little bit of kind of what motivated you to start all the right colors. But if you can talk to us a little bit more, like what was, was there a moment that you remember? Or what kind of led you to start your own business? Yeah, so, okay, for people who are watching this, but in my background, I have this bookshelf and there's this one book that I have on the shelf. It's called The Crossroads of Should and Must. Oh, I have that book too. You do? Okay, yeah, by so Al good. Luna. Uh -huh. Yeah. So my friend gave it to me. She was also a very like motivated person in education. She gave it to me and I loved it at the time, but it did nothing at, the, at that point. But it, I think it's, it's the motivation for me is the whole book is about finding that intersection, not like finding a whole new thing that makes you happy, but the intersection between like what you should be doing and what you must be doing. And so for me, I felt like I needed to find the intersection between like what I need for myself for joy. And then also what my gift is that I also am joyful doing and that there's an intersection of that. So all the right, and for people listening, right is the writing with the pencil right, but it has like the pun of like, you are all the right colors. Yes, I love it. Yeah. And that was created because I wanted to, I wanted later mornings for myself. I wanted flexibility. Yes, I, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted, I, I really realized that teachers are told that if we take care of ourselves, we're being selfish. But if I didn't take care of myself, I was no longer going to be able to use my gift to help children again because it was burning me out so much. Or you accidentally take it out on kids with the patients or whatever it is. And so for me, I needed a job that had later mornings that gave me some flexibility. I needed a job where I could be creative all the time. And schools right now, are you're being told what to do at all times and you can't do just what you wanted. And then... As for the intersection, 
I feel like my gift that I couldn't really do all the time in school anymore is to be able to know exactly how a child learns, what a child needs to learn, whether that's like the mental health part or hands-on experiences, or they're an arts person, like whatever that child needs to learn. I feel like that's my gift is being able to figure that out, be there for them and help them thrive, which didn't mean I was the best for a school that is trying to put forward a program that they're having an initiative for, because it was all centered around a program rather than centered around every individual child. And so I wasn't celebrated the way I was teaching. Yeah. So all the right colors meant I want to help every individual child in a joyful way. And for me, that means making books with kids, having custom reading and writing classes with them. Yeah. Scheduling those, those times where it's, it starts a little bit later in the morning. And for me, Later in the morning means I'm not at school at seven o'clock or six thirty. Yes, always thrilling. I mean, even years after being in the classroom, I'm like, yes, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not even saying eleven o'clock. You know, I'm just <laughs> just like when the sun goes up, I'm yeah, just right. getting up. I hope that does that answer you. Yes, <laughs> totally. I feel like I'm like nodding so vigorously because so many of these things I totally relate to. I mean, I think that was my biggest frustration being in the classroom was the same, like feeling like, oh, all students really need something different. And for me to be able to give all of these like 25, 30 students what they need is first off impossible, <laughs> like on top of what I have to do in general. And just like, that's not how things are set up. And so I completely relate to that. I think with my, and now I have kids now who are 10 and seven and they go to a really small school. And for that reason, like, so their teachers really know them and see them for who they are. And everybody, you know, not just them, but everybody at the school. And I just constantly am thankful for that because it's just things aren't set up that way. Yeah. And then I think just like the self-care piece too, I also was like nodding so vigorously because it's a horrible model for kids too, to see their teachers self-sacrificing and putting themselves last and like not prioritizing their well-being. It's not a good model. And so I think that we need to disrupt that and put ourselves first and take care of ourselves so that truly we can take care of other people too. Yeah. And I think one other part of the self-care that I, I forgot to mention is the financial piece. Mm-hmm. So, and this might be me being stubborn, but I, you know, had all these friends who had like, if you were to compare degrees, like they have a master's degree. I have a master's degree. They have a bachelor. I have a bachelor's. Like they've been working in their field for this many years. I'm like, I have too. And yet their salaries keep going up and up and doubling and tripling. And ours wasn't. And even though I knew I needed to be thankful for the salary and the health benefits and stuff, I just think that there's a part of me that believes teachers can make a lot more than a public education salary, but the safety and security of it is like too scary to jump out of and do something with. And for me, uh, I'm just so determined to prove that we can make more money, except I have to take a hit, pretty big hit right now to start and, and make it there. But even with that hit, like I, 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 in setback, I still feel really confident of the future that as an educator, you don't have to live with that salary. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much possibility. And I think, again, it goes back to like the same things. I'm glad you're connecting it to self care, because it's like, that same reimagining a system, right? Like, we're not going to be able to 
lobby to get teacher salaries doubled, like in our lifetime, sadly, right? (laughs) But we can show an example of another pathway that's possible. And also reimagining the learning for kids, and also just the reality of what it is to be an educator, like, it doesn't have to be grueling, it doesn't have to be that you're underpaid, like we can create a new version. And so I think that all that you're doing is inspiration for people too. And like, it does make sense. Yeah, sometimes you have to take a hit at the beginning, but then can really thoughtfully scale things and scale it without sacrificing your well being, you know, and creating a new version that way too. Mm-hmm. So let's think about the business creating journey. I know that since I started on creating a business, you know, I've learned so much just through the process and from being a classroom teacher to starting a business, like there's always more that you can learn. And can you tell us a little bit just like, how has that been for you? What has stood out to you as lessons you've learned along the way? So there is so much about the real world that a teacher thinks that they know. <laughs> Until you start a business, you realize like, I think I've been in the safety net of a safe world <laughs> in school. So I mean, from like little things like the logistics, you know, what kind of business should I get? You know, how do I get certified in this state? What bank account should I have? Credit card, like website design, (laughs) all of that stuff. Those logistic things was one thing I learned. Another thing I thought was really interesting was in teaching your network of networking. And it's just, it's given to you. When you get accepted to the school, you have immediate cohort of four people. You have all these teachers in, in your school. You don't have to work for that. And so, you know, I've been like learning to like go to networking events and connecting with people in the community. And I've been learning how to, like when I meet somebody immediately at first, I was thinking, oh, this person's not like me. Like I can't be friends with them. And a friend of mine who isn't a teacher was like, well, you're networking. So maybe they're a tier two person, not a tier one person. I was like, oh, so the whole world now (laughs) is like accessible for friends, networking, relationships outside of school. So I've kind of like had to learn how to make, how do you make friends? How do you make connections, your own staff, like community when it's not given to you in the school? So those two things for sure. And then the last one is sales. Just how do you sell yourself? How do you market yourself? Reaching out to people. Like I'm really good about never wanting to bother people. So Frank, my fiance, had this hilarious. So he's in sales and marketing. And so we did this like incredible event. My kids are coloring t shirts and parents are signing up for a raffle. So I have this like list of like 25 people and I record a video and I have them win the raffle and stuff like that. And then two weeks later, Frank was like, So have you not reached out to any of these people? And I was like, Well, I sent them a raffle video. And he's like, you have a list of in there in sales world, like you literally have 25 people leads that you could reach out to. And I was like, but I don't want to bother them. Why would I want to reach out if they want me like they know where to find me and stuff. And seeing his reaction in the sales world of what kind of like crime I was committing. <laughs> I was totally. like, oh, <laughs> Yes, I totally relate. I mean, I think so much of that is just foreign to us as teachers, right? And it's just like mindset to like, we're never selling anything as a teacher. The closest I can come to thinking about is like back to school night when I would have to kind of 
quote unquote sell parents on my approach to things, but it's like they're not buying anything. <laughs> I thought I was like selling like ma- learning to kids because you really want to get them engaged. So I always like associated, like I was so arrogant. I was like, people in sales, like I do sales. I'm selling myself every single day and selling content to the kids every single day. And, and now I'm like, no, that is not. <laughs> totally. totally. I know. And I think it's like, yeah, it's like you're not bothering people though. Like everyone's busy. And I always think of like me on a consumer side is a lot different from how I see things as a business owner side. Cause I'm like, oh, when I'm buying something, I'll just forget. Like, oh, I'm interested in taking this program. Cool. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that someday. And then I'll forget. And then if somebody reaches out to me directly and is like, oh, you said you mentioned like you would be interested in this program, then I'm like, oh, yeah, great. Sign me up. And if they don't, I forget. So I think it's like, you know, you got to just keep reaching out. And it's like, realizing the difference, at least for me, of like, people can make the decision if they're going to buy something or not. And it's fine either way. But my job is to make sure they know that it's there and that I'm here to help them if they want to. Yeah. So that's what I'm learning. (laughs) Yes, I know. I appreciate what you said, too, about the different kind of friend circles and like the people that you meet, because that is different for me, too. Like when I left the classroom, it was when my daughter was born. She was almost 11, which is crazy. But I had, you know, all my favorite friends were in my school and they were people I hang out with. And then suddenly I was at home with a baby without any grownups around <laughs> and not I didn't have my circle of like teacher friends near me. I mean, they were, of course, still my friends. And so creating that new circle and the connections and yeah, trying people out. Right. It's just like, oh, does this work as like a business friend or a real friend or kind of somewhere in between and kind of intentionally creating that new network for yourself, I think is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did anything surprise you about starting a business? Yes. (laughs) Well, all the things I said surprised me. But the one that I dwell on every day probably is my self-worth is a lot, a lot lower than I thought it was. Because I thought my confidence in my skill set, and I was like, I can run a business, like I can do, like I have all these visions and ideas, and like I can do it. And I, my skill set working with the kids, I can do that. But apparently, skill set and my self worth are completely not aligned. So I don't know. You just think you are so confident until you have to put a price tag on yourself. And yes. when someone's like, Well, how how much is you know one hour? How much is thirty minutes? Like, what would you do for a class? I, oh my gosh, like when I first started, I was doing $25 an hour. Don't do that. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know what happened was everybody kept screaming at me, but I was like having a panic attack still about it. And then I went to go get a car wash and the car wash was $32. And I was like, yes, I am not less than a car wash. And a car wash was like five minutes of my life. Yes. But I still get terrified because- if I send out an email and I and they say like, hey, you know, how much do you have for one for an hour? And I give them my price point and they don't respond back. I am terrified that I insulted them or it was too high or I upset them. But at the same time, at the rate that I'm going, I'm not going to be able to sustain myself. Yes. So I know this goes completely against earlier when I said I'm really confident about my financial future. <laughs> but I'm just try- I'm like I'm just trusting the journey that I'm working personally on the side with my therapist on self-worth and and I never realized like how much that was able to be I don't know like 
hidden or under kept, you know, under wraps as a teacher, because you could just be in your classroom and, and you don't have to put a price tag on yourself. Like they do it for you. Absolutely. That has probably surprised me. That's the one thing that holds me back is my belief in my worth. Yes. I so appreciate you sharing that. And I think we all struggle with it. You know, like it really is, especially starting your own business where it's so visible, it's so vulnerable, and it's really hard to not tie you to something you deeply believe in. Like it's your thing, right? And so I appreciate you. Like the first step is just realizing it, right? And then realizing it's like, yeah, we're working on it. And I think like with the pricing struggles, it's also just like, I remember when I first started selling things, it was so uncomfortable. And it really felt like it was like, all riding on it, even though it wasn't, you know, where I was like, oh, I'm offering this person this thing. And like, if they say yes, then I can like spend this on something else that I can get more people in. It just felt like so charged, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't. There were like infinite people that you can work with and it's about finding your right people. And so I do feel like, again, it's like everyone can decide. They can decide to not write you back. They could decide to say something was so expensive whatever, that's their choice. And like, for so many reasons, and that you can develop an understanding of like, that your offerings are valuable. And there are the right people out there. And it seems like you have some amazing clients already, you know, who are already kind of on board with this. So I think it's also like, for me, just like learning to focus on what's working, rather than taking every quote, unquote, rejection as personal. And I read this book, Rejection Proof by Jia Zhang. You should check it out. It's like this guy who challenges himself to have, I think it's like 30 rejections in 30 days, or maybe it's 60 rejections in 60 days. He was starting his own business too. And coming out of the tech world and feeling like what was holding him back was this fear of rejection. And so he really set off on these challenges for himself. Like, how do I overcome this? And what can I do with these learnings to help other people? And it was helpful for that book for me to realize just most of the time people are quote unquote rejecting you. It's for their own things, right? Like, maybe they don't have the money right now. Maybe they don't see the value. Like maybe, you know, we don't know, right? But we can only kind of control like what we put out there too. Yeah. Yeah. No, my fear of rejection, I I know that everybody says they struggle with it, but I feel like I am gifted in a fear of rejection or something. (laughs) Like I, I will have emails on hold, like I will design the most amazing, you know, like pricing package and stuff. And I'll have that email and draft for a week. And then every day of that week, I'm dropping that price and re-downloading it into a new PDF like every day until it's like so low that I'm like, okay, there's no way they can reject me. Yes, I hear that. I mean, I think there's something too of like perceived value though. Like I'm thinking about like for my kids, like if I'm going to sign them up for a class and I see that something's $20, like my son takes drum lessons, let's say, like if it's $20, I would think it wasn't good. But if it's like $100, I would be like, oh, this person really knows what they're doing. They're charging $100 for half an hour, whatever. You know, like, I think there's something too that you're communicating to other people and not just you, you know, but we all are right, like in our pricing of our worth, like it is our worth, right. And it is something that we should elevate too. And I think it almost like, keeps out people who aren't the right fit and really elevates like what you can. And you can also like provide sliding scale or, you know, of course people have different financial realities, but I think there's a way to do both, you know, of being able to charge what 
you really truly would allow you to give great service. Like there's also something too, I think as a parent or like having a class where if somebody's really devoted to your kid and putting in the prep time before and like time after to reflect and like all the things like you write letters to them, like all this work, right? You want them to be able to do that rather than like recreating the crazy system of a public school where kids are like being shuffled around and teachers don't have time for them. So I think people also pay for that time. But that's you who knows education, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, how can I explain to a parent who has no education, like, hey, I promise you what I'm providing is so different than all these other tutors, all these other things you see on YouTube and Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is so hard. One, that, yes. that part is like so hard to like show how you actually are of this value. You know what they, when you were talking, it made me think of, they need to do like a new version of like shop till you drop or prices, right? But it's people's <laughs> businesses. So yeah. I can like start perceiving when you're saying perception, I can start learning what I see and what their price point is because I don't know. It's just, we went to the Texas state fair this weekend and I was like, okay, I'm going to have a moment where I'm not going to judge myself for being a little judgmental right now. But I'm noticing a lot of families here that remind me of families that I've spoken to who have said $30 is way too high. And yet they are spending $150 of tickets, which is $150 on fried food that is going to disappear (laughs) in a minute. Totally. Yes. I'm like, but, and then I keep dropping my prices for like long-term learning. Yes, totally. And I think it's like, Usually the problem is not the price. Like even when people say like, oh, it's the price, it's that they don't see the value. And so it's like, how do we get them to see the value and the transformation? And I think, you know, with kids showing how other kids have gone through your programs or once giving them a little taste, right? Like once their kid's in there or something. I mean, I think for me, like selling things to teachers who it's like, of course, people are always like, oh, teachers don't have money, but it's also giving them opportunities, right? Like it's giving them a way where it's like, yeah, you can invest a few hundred dollars and then get like thousands, however much, you know, more back. And I think the same is true, even though it's not tied for a money for you, right? Like you're getting back your kid being invested in their education and They're having happy. this ownership yeah. and like, yeah, engagement. Like I think it is harder for people who aren't teachers to see, but I do think parents would understand like they're saving money in the future of like some, you know, high school tutor down the road or whatever it is, you know, of like catching kids depression. up. Yeah. Depression. Totally. Absolutely. I have this weird theory and maybe it's my own personal bias, but I really believe that if you grow up in a school where you kind of feel like you're not good enough because reading and writing were hard for you. I believe that most of those kids struggle with confidence or insecurities, even though they're in their successful businesses and jobs. Now, those are the people who are like, Oh yeah, that was really hard for me. I was like, imagine, imagine if you didn't have that experience, where would you be today? Yes, absolutely. And I think like as a parent, You might not be able to choose what school your kid goes to and the school experience they get. You know, if you're going to your local public school, that's just what that's your choice. I mean, that's the only choice you have. Right. But you can choose to invest in a program like yours. Right. Yeah. Especially with technology these days. Like, that's why I was like, I'm in person, but I also want to be virtual because if there is a family who like gets it right, 
and they don't have access geographically to somebody who can do this kind of work. Like I want to be able to say, well, I just spent all these years learning how to create interactive virtual classes so I can yes, do- use it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, sorry. That This is like the longest answer to your question. No, I love it. This has been- the bane of my existence. <laughs> totally. I love it. And I think it's like, it's real. You know, we have a program working with beginning business owners and that's all. Like we've been the first couple of weeks just like talking about mindset stuff and like overcoming our fears of selling. And it's an ongoing process, right? Like it's not like, oh, and in a few weeks we feel better. It's always. And I think it is like you're saying, like, cause it's so tied up in who we are, our self-worth, our value and also the things we can and can't control. I mean, imagine like the range you have to go through, like, because as a teacher, I didn't even feel like I had enough self-worth to ask to go to the bathroom Yeah, right. Totally. during the totally. day, Absolutely. even though I could ask a friend because I was like, oh, that, that would be terrible. I'm terrified of getting in trouble if I were to go to the bathroom. Like, th- like this is where we started. Okay. <laughs> now I have to sell my, me. Yes. So when people are like, oh, it's logistics and stuff, I'm like, some of my friends who are teachers and thinking about it, I'm starting to wonder maybe they're just like me where it's the worth. It's the fear of putting a price tag on yourself and believing in yourself and that's it. You don't have mm-hmm. the safety net of a school system. Absolutely. And again, I would argue it's like it's the system that's making people feel that way. And then it's this vicious cycle. Like I had somebody explain it to me once of like, being in a public school system is like being in an abusive relationship and like everybody you know is also in that abusive relationship. <laughs> and so you're just like, it just seems normal, right? Like it seems normal that I shouldn't have the freedom to go to the bathroom or teach how I want or control my career or make as much money as I need to survive and like pay my rent. Like it's all just what I'm signing up for, for being a teacher. And that's not true. But I think it's so programmed in our minds and so hard to get out of when we are surrounded in these teacher communities where everyone feels like that. So I think that you even just like vocalizing what you're going through and that it's not just like, I'm a business owner and everything's like 100% great, (laughs) right? Like it's so helpful for people because it's always something we're going to be learning and, and unlearning from being a teacher and figuring out through doing it, but it's also worth it. Yeah. Like it's so worth it. And it's so showing people that there are ways to find a way forward and be an educator and help kids and help kids feel that self-worth at the beginning for themselves while also creating these sustainable pathways for ourselves. I believe in that a hundred percent. I'm just trying not to like make this podcast two hours long. So <laughs> not responding. <laughs> I could talk about it all day. All day long. Yes. Well, tell us more about your offerings. I know you said you do in person and online. I love that. Give us a sense of like what are you currently offering and how you came to decide on those things. I do creative writing classes online or in person. And when I say creative writing, I don't mean like hey, I'm going to give you a genre and a graphic organizer and I'm going to help you. It's more like the kid comes and I'm like, what are you excited about? What do you love? And it's their story and it's not my story and I'm just fostering that. So that kind of creative writing is those classes often are kids whose literacy skills are mostly pretty solid and they just really want a challenge. I have like a hardcover book that one of the fourth graders who worked with me for just five days this summer developed and they were super interested in wildcats. And mom had already said like, but she's already written something about wildcats. I was like, yeah, except 
I want to help take her writing from here to like even more. Yeah. And it's actually easier if it's a topic they're super knowledgeable about because then we could really just focus on the craft of writing. So for her, we actually stuck to a topic she's already kind of dabbled in. But for other kids, it's like completely starting from scratch. Some kids like to add pictures. Some kids like to draw, make a picture book. Some kids like to just like full chapter book. So that's one service. And it can be once a week, twice a week. It could be like, you know, over spring break and you want like three days in a row. The other thing is tutoring, except it's custom tutoring and it's very like arts and hands-on based and child-centered. So any family who's feeling like their child is not doing well in reading and writing, or they're hearing that from their teacher, I'm like, okay, let me work with them. And within four to six weeks, you should be able to start seeing confidence improve, some progress already happening within four to six weeks. We're not going to be doing worksheets. I'm going in there and I'm seeing like, what are their passions? What is their culture? What's their personality style. So for some of the kids, kinetic sand is very like calming and it feels really great. Yeah. So I've got a few kids who are really latching on to kinetic sand and they also need some phonics work. So I'm using kinetic sand and they're making sound balls and they're like pushing on them when they are blending sounds and it's feeling great. And like, they're just loving that. And it's kind of like a chance for me to kind of meet their mental health, social, emotional needs, which is actually what they need to learn. Yeah. So it's just meeting them where they are. If the kid needs phonics, like I take all the trainings that I have and I've made my own checklist or curriculum, but I don't do it in like OG where, Hey, we're going to start from here and we're going to go every single step. Like we're going to start here And then if I feel like you already know these, we'll skip these. If you're really interested in these, we'll go to these first. So it's a little bit more customized to the child. So they're always highly engaged. So that's tutoring. I do that in person and virtual. Oh my gosh. Can I just pause? I feel like I'm like tearing up. Like it's so awesome. (laughs) I truly think like as a parent and especially like when my kids have struggled in things, that is what they need. It's personalized, right? Like it's not something where it can be like, oh, this kid does this program, right? Like it has to be that you know the kid. And I so appreciate two of you like tuning into their social emotional needs around it too. That like a struggle is hard for kids too. I think sometimes parents are just like, oh, they need to like make it up to grade level, you know, but it's acknowledging what the blockers are. And they're often like so nuanced and multifaceted that that's just amazing. So well done you. Please charge like $500 a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) I know right now I'm at car wash prices. Everybody. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on and on about it, but about my tutoring experience, because it's something I didn't expect to go into. And now I'm like obsessed with it because I basically want to change like the entire thing about tutoring and what people think about tutoring and everything about it. Yes. And like flipping on its head, this idea of like a struggling student, you know, and I think parents have so many emotions around that too. And like, it is stressful. Like even though I'm a teacher, like going to parent teacher conferences is stressful because you're like, oh my gosh, how's my kid doing? Like it's so like performance based feeling. And my kids go to like the hippiest, like they don't have assessments, but I still feel it. Yeah. It's, I would call it a misunderstood student. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If they think, oh, this child's really struggling. I'm like, actually, let's see how they're being taught. And some of the kids, they just love making books and they start with stickers and pictures. 
And then they go on from that. And it's amazing how much they'll learn reading and writing when they start wanting to draw books and write books, you know, of things that they're interested in. Yeah. I just think the whole struggling student is the issue. Well, there's several issues, in <laughs> but <laughs> it's almost like if you were to tell a teacher, Hey, what if all the kids that come into your classroom this year are all brilliant and awesome and they're going to thrive. But in our heads, it's like we have to find like, oh, who's the favorite? Who's the bad kid? Who's the behavior kid? You know, who, who's my like my struggling kids, the kids who are low, the ones I'm going to quote unquote save. Like we have to have these kids. It's almost like we we have to find a kid to fit these bubbles. We almost force this label. And if you force a label on a child, they're going to become that. So if you mm-hmm. like, even as a parent, I'm not a parent, but I know what it feels like to be a child of this. But if you put your children as like, this is my good kid and this is my bad kid, that bad kid is going to become a bad kid because that is what is going to give them the attention that they need anyways. Totally. Anyways, I just had this whole thing about it, but I just want every kid to believe you are perfect. You are all the right colors and I'm just going to help you thrive in the way that fits who you are. <laughs> Yes, 100 million percent. I mean, I feel like that, like going back to the business side, and I know you already have like such amazing marketing, but I feel like that is what as a parent, I would see somebody like who's seeing my kid, even without knowing them, giving that opportunity of like, oh, I feel like they're like behind, like they're not being seen at school, like all those things. And to see you even just acknowledge that all kids are brilliant and special in their own way and like have a unique way of going about things. And it's all about tapping into them as humans and their interests. And I think that is like so, so powerful. So I'm really excited that you're doing that. Thanks. You offer so many amazing services. Are they for all grade levels? Do you focus on certain grade levels? I focus on six through 14. I also forgot to mention I do these summer writing camps. Oh, yeah, uh, great. Too. And eventually I'm going to want to do groups. It's just been really hard to put groups together because not as many people know me yet. And I sure. don't have a brick and mortar place. By 6 to 14, only because I have elementary certification, I have middle school certification, and those are my pockets. But obviously, if a high school kid wants creative writing, I don't feel like I would be lacking the skills to help them. Yes, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And I love that you can stay with somebody for a while too. Like if a six-year-old starts with you and continues on, like imagine what's possible. Yeah. Cool. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all about your business and all about you, Catherine. Can you tell us where folks can find you and learn more about your business? Yeah, you can find me almost on all the social media uh, platforms. So I'm mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at all the right colors. Right is spelled W-R-I-T-E. And LinkedIn, you can find me just as Catherine Sue. I did start a YouTube account to kind of do some thought leadership and helping families out. So you can find me there also at all the right colors. And I, I do have a Twitter account, but I actually don't use it as much. I feel like a lot of educators are not on there as much anymore. <laughs> totally. Or parents too. I feel like it's not necessarily the best place. And then your website is alltherightcolors.com. Correct. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. This truly was the best. And I love talking with you. And thank you for sharing all the amazing work that you're doing. 
Yeah, thank you. This was really fun. It was actually kind of helpful and therapeutic for me too. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Want to figure out your next step as an educator? Watch our free on-demand workshop and embrace a career pathway that works for you. Go to educatorforever.com slash workshop. You'll get introduced to the many options for flexible, rewarding work beyond the classroom and make a plan for landing jobs. <laughs>